Let's go, Rider Nation. Here we go, this is the Kibbles Podcast, your premier Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan podcast, episode 185. We're taking a look at free agency. Nice to have you with us. My name is Alex. I'm Steve. And I'm a guy who needs to improve his Photoshop skills. <laughs> well, I could have told you that. We didn't need Andrew Harris to tell you that. <laughs> You can give us a follow on Twitter at PifflesPod. You can give me a follow at RealAlexD. And you'll find me at Safamod. And I do not need your pity follows at Greg on Sports. Piffles follow Podcast. Him. Piffles Podcast follow him. Piffles Podcast is brought to you by our good friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Make sure you check them out. And gentlemen, there's so much going on. I'd love to spend the next couple hours talking all the moves in free agency. We don't have that kind of time. But we're, we're not amateur hours. Here. We're amateur hour. Yeah, exactly. We don't have that kind of time. So let's get to just the rider stuff here. Let's start things off with the opening kickoff. Back to being funny. Hey, Greg. Always. <laughs> so let's start with the big one. Happened before free agency. The last time we talked, we were still wondering. Where's Duke Williams going to go? Good news. He's not going anywhere. He's sticking right here in Saskatchewan. Jeremy O'Day with the biggest signing he's made as a general manager, signing Duke Williams for this season. We saw what he did last year for the Riders. He completely changed that offense and was the best player on the entire team for the last half of the year. Nothing but praise for Jeremy O'Day here on this one. That was that was a he needed to do it even at 260k a year. I, I I take offense to you saying this is his biggest signing. He was one third of the brain trust that brought in um, Vince Young. There you go. <laughs> well, we all know who really was in charge of Vince Young. Vince Vince Young might even return to the CFL. He should because I mean, he's a quarterback. Yeah, I have a theory about that later. Uh, but Duke Williams, absolutely massive for the Riders. Oh, yeah, no, Duke, that was great signing. And for a hot minute, he was the highest paid receiver in the league. Um, that didn't last long. And we'll get to that, I'm sure. Quite literally one minute. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's it's Duke's back. The, the offense looked way better with him in it. And the fact that we could keep him. The concern was if we signed Duke, we wouldn't be able to keep Shaq or even Kyron Moore or any of our other receivers. And we only so far, we only really lost – a uh, major player of our offense with Brandon Linnaeus going down in the NFL. So uh, it's great that we can keep that receiving quarter together, like a full season of that. That's going to be great. You know, you look at it now and we saw what Duke Williams did to close out the year. He was phenomenal. He had an instant rapport with, uh, with Cody Fajardo necessary signing, but does this put us at the top of the league for, for receiving core? Who else at this point in free agency, would you put ahead of the riders? Just receivers. BC, Good question. BC tried, but didn't land Waller. <laughs> yeah. If they would have got Kenny Waller, I would say BC there. But I don't hate the I don't hate signed, the Argos receiving core. The, the Argos got some guys that can catch the ball. And just because they signed everybody, Ottawa, maybe, since they literally signed every single free agent. Well, to be fair, agency. they had to. 
<laughs> it's easier for us to point out the players that Ottawa didn't sign if we wanted yeah. to go through the free agent list. So 260K for Duke Williams, which to me, now looking at what some of the other receivers are getting, now seems like a bargain. But he also had all of the leverage on Jeremy O'Day. I don't personally think he's 100K better in the CFL than you know Reggie Bagleton and Brian Burnham. But, I mean, I'm never going to fault Duke Williams for signing that contract. So Jeremy O'Day had to pay him that much. He had to. He had no choice. Well, but in he, the same sense, is he not $10,000 better than Lucky Whitehead? Yeah, well, yeah, of course he is. Right? Like, to try and compare salaries in the CFL receiving group this year is next to impossible because of what BC tried to do and completely messed up the receiving market. But well, how, how much are Calgary and BC laughing right now with those $160,000 deals? And BC and Edmonton, we're trying to get Duke. And I guarantee you, it probably was Edmonton that offered him three hundred thousand. Um, because apparently the rumors were he was getting offered that much and took less money to stay in Saskatchewan. So, like, well, he probably got the uh, got a signing bonus here because Edmonton didn't have any of their signing bonus money left to spend. And I mean, you can thank uh, Nick Arbuckle for that. He took a lot of their signing bonus, and that's a that's a Chris Jones thing. He's not a very good cap manager. He's a very good – he can find talent and he can coach him up pretty damn well. But in terms of cap do- cap work, he is not the guy that everybody thinks he is. Jeremy O'Day was the cap guy when Chris Jones was here in Saskatchewan. Jones has no idea how, to, how that works. And old Kenny Lawler is going to find out pretty quickly. First day of training camp, I guarantee you he's asked to take a pay cut because they're going to have to find money somewhere. I have to say I wasn't a fan of this whole salary cap or a signing bonus limit, but I kind of like what it does to free agency. It makes people sit back and think about where they want to put their dollars. You can't just throw out big contracts to everybody or throw those, you know, the high salary bonus at the end of the year at everybody. You have to be smart. And it cost Edmonton 50 grand. They had to pay $50,000 more than BC to take Kenny Lawler. It's going to make off-seasons interesting if they keep that intact. The uh, big news as well when free agency officially opened up, Derek Moncrief coming back home where it all began. We kind of knew it was going to come down to Edmonton and Saskatchewan for this signing, and that's exactly what happened. But with his ties that he has to uh, some people here in Saskatchewan, um, looking to start a family and everything here in Saskatchewan, we knew that was going to happen. So Derek Moncrief back. And you tie that in with the signings of, well, re-signing Larry Dean coming off the Achilles injury. And also Darnell Sankey, the leading tackler from the Stamps last year. This linebacking core, you added Micah Tights, who was very, very solid last year. This is this is the, the best linebacking core in the CFL, and it's not even close with these guys. And if everybody's healthy, assuming Larry Dean can get back to even just half of what he used to be, which was a huge all-star talent, you're going to have a problem trying to figure out where all these guys are going to be, and that's a great problem for Jeremy O'Day to have. I had to laugh. Derek Dennis was like, well, where are you going to put all these linebackers? I'm like, oh, the Reds just go to a 3-4 defense. Because, yeah, it's it'd be great if you could have all four of them on the field at a time, but it's if Larry Dean is your backup, you're, you're, you're okay. I think it's great that we managed to get uh, a quality linebacking 
core because our, our defensive line took a huge hit uh, in this free agency window between uh, Woodard going to the NFL, Micah Johnson going out to, was it Hamilton? Hamilton. Um, and McKenna Henry going to Edmonton. I know, I know Greg's a big fan of, uh, of that move, not the player, that move. <laughs> but I mean, when you, when you look at what that linebacking core will do, it gives you a little bit of wiggle room with your defensive line. Speaking of that defensive line, they did re-up Pete Robertson on the D line as well for one more year. So he, he was a very good rotational player. He'll probably get a little bit more time this year now if, uh, like you said, Woodard going to the NFL, going to the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Didn't mention it. Brett Lawther, two-year deal. I think we all can agree that was a must sign for O'Day, and he did that before free agency opened. We won't get too much into into that, but it just locks up that uh, that kicking position for the next couple of years. And there's nobody else in the league I'd rather have kicking for this team right now. I, I look at that as O'Day's Gabo move. That that'll that'll keep those SOBs quiet. <laughs> Came at just the right time for that. Yeah, he did. Because yeah, but no, yeah. Lawther, especially if you look at the last year, guys, teams were having trouble finding kickers. I.e., BC, Winnipeg had trouble. Literally, was their biggest problem until they got uh, Castillo's rights from the BC Lions. Castillo's still out there. Why hasn't Winnipeg signed him yet? <laughs> but they didn't learn their lesson. I guess not. So. No, locking up a kicker. Uh, a kicker can win and lose games for you. And with this offense last year, if we don't see an improvement, we're going to need that kicking. I think I think Winnipeg didn't sign uh, Sergio because maybe Sergio wants Grey Cup MVP money. So he absolutely <laughs> should have been the MVP in that game. <laughs> well, uh, we'll talk about the other kicker here in just a minute when we get to the, uh, the losses of the team in free agency here. But uh, a couple more signings. Uh, wide receiver Wesley Lewis, a six foot five Canadian, was uh, drafted by Ottawa. Had three catches in his uh, limited time in Ottawa. Just more depth for that receiver position, uh, since it really looks like they're going to be starting two receivers again this year, starting two Canadian receivers, I should say. And on the offensive line, everyone's saying the Riders don't have an offensive line. They need to go out there and get help. Well, they didn't have to go very far to get the help they wanted. They're keeping everybody around. Josiah St. John coming back. I'm just throwing up my hands in the air because depth signing, sure. I, I got I got to I admit, I got to admit last year for the few times he got in, he didn't look that out of place. I, I don't know if that's actually an indictment on how our offensive line played last year or if he actually got better, but he's definitely improved to his first two seasons with the Riders, that's for sure. I mean, we, we all know what I said after you told us we, he signed in uh, back in Regina. I'm, I'm not a fan of this move. Depth, fi- depth signing, fine. But he's never really shown me anything in his, what, five years, six years? <laughs> like, the, the guy's signing contracts based on being a number one pick six years ago. A Chris Jones pick because of yeah. his size. That was about it. Um now I'm not too. Are you got the big question about with the O line? Everyone's saying that they're worried that they don't that they didn't upgrade. I actually don't think they're any worse off because I look at it this way. First off, I'm assuming Brendan Labat's retired. He's not coming back. I'm going on that too. Yeah. And even if he wanted to, a couple things. One, I think he has too much respect for Logan Furland mm-hmm. to just come in and say, "All right, kid, move. I'm taking my job back." 
I don't think he's that kind of a guy. But also, by the time training camp hits, it'll be almost three calendar years since Brendan Lombard has played. At his age, as good as he is, was, question mark, like, we don't know. That's a that's such a huge unknown. And that's a big-time risk to me. Like, it just doesn't make any sense. And he seemed at peace walking away last year with the restrictions and everything and wanting to spend more time with his kids and not have to worry about putting on a mask and getting tested all the time, which, I mean, now with restrictions probably going away for the CFL season everywhere, maybe that's his reason to come back. Who knows? But I'm just assuming that Brendan Labatt's gone. So at left tackle, you have Taryn Vaughn coming back healthy. And we know that he can be a very, very good tackle. You keep Logan Furland at left guard. Another year of growth for him. Another year starting is going to be nothing but good. Dan Clark, very solid center. Right guard Evan Johnson wasn't that big of a problem last year. So I expect him to get better, especially with an O-line group that you know, that's what, that's the one group almost more than any position group in, in the CFL that you need that continuity at. So if you have all these guys together again for another year growing, especially in the middle there, that's a good thing. And the right tackle, I thought maybe they'd go after a tackle in free agency, but I kept keep on forgetting that they signed, uh, is it Nady, Nady Rogers? Rogers, yep. Um, he uh, started a few games at tackle for Montreal a couple of years ago and has been kind of bumping around a little bit since then. So I think that's the plan is to go with him at tackle. So if they can shore up those tackles, the interior will only get better. So I'm not too worried as much as a lot of other people are about this team's O-line. And we also it's, got ba- we also got Bandy uh, sitting behind everyone that we drafted last year as well, who was expected to go. He was, he was one of the projective possible first overalls last year. And then we got what in the third round last uh, third or fourth round, like yep. And Matt Lund Riley is there as well. Yeah. Like we got some good young Canadian talent for the interior of that line. Last year, I would argue our our tackles, I don't want to say failed us, but they were definitely our weak spot on our offensive line. So I think with Vaughn back and we'll see what Rogers can do, see what they bring in a rookie camp. And I'm not that worried about our, our offensive line as many other people are. It's funny you you mentioned uh Brendan Labatt having three years off. If the wind is blowing out West, you better be careful because if Chris Jones hears that he's been out of football for three years, <laughs> he's going to be on the phone quicker than you can count to 10. Well, yeah, but that'll be a two year from now signing. <laughs> I I'm, I'm starting to lean your guys's direction though. I, I had a little Twitter thread uh, right before free agency open. And one of my hope, hopeful signings was somebody at the tackle position. I, I think we need some kind of depth there. Um, but beyond that, a training camp will do these guys a lot more and a year of experience than, than anything. And I mean, if they're, we're, we're looking at a fairly young offensive line, if you can build around that outside of Dan Clark, they're all, you know, barely into their CFL careers, yep. build around that, give them the experience. I mean, you don't want them earning that experience in a great cup year, but nothing they did last year makes me hesitant to at least try it out to start the year. So that's the signings for the Riders. What we've seen for them with losses, we'll get to next year. And we'll start on the defensive line. Uh, we knew Micah Johnson was going to Hamilton when the uh, negotiation window uh, opened. That just became official the other day. So my, losing Micah Johnson in the middle. And Greg, like you mentioned, 
Mac Henry going to Edmonton and Jonathan Woodward, Jonathan Woodard going to the Kansas City Chiefs in the NFL. Now Woodard might come back, so that could be a possible Labor Day addition to the team, which would be great going down the stretch. Are you guys worried about that D line now? Losing those guys? Absolutely. I'm concerned about the Canadian um, defensive tackle spot. It's pretty thin there with uh, DeBeer and uh, Simaconda. I assume is going back from fullback back to his natural position at DT. Um, the American defensive tackle spot, Mike, Micah Johnson ate a ton of double teams. But with Marino and Le- uh, Lanier there, I'm actually not that concerned. AC Leonard off the end, beast. And then that signing of Robertson – after, when Woodard going, was going down to the NFL, getting some NFL looks, that signing was important because Robertson didn't look out of place uh, in that rotation. So I'm not that concerned, but it's going to be interesting with uh, who's going to be eating those double teams. It's probably going to be AC, unfortunately. You know, I was concerned until you reminded me that uh, Marino is still under contract. Um, I think the biggest loss on that D-line has to be Micah Johnson, you know, three years now Ryder fans have been mad that he hasn't been putting up his, his big sack numbers, but he's the reason why we've had riders leading the sack uh, tally every year for the last few years. Like you said, he eats up double triple teams on every play and still makes plays still gets tackles. The guy is a straight up beast and Hamilton's D line is scary. Who's going to run on them? Like nobody. Like up You're the not middle, getting anything. Win and Micah Johnson, like nuts. Like that—that's a D line right there. But uh, I—I'm less concerned than I was five minutes ago. And maybe maybe if we continue recording, we can uh, we can go straight up to uh, outright excited. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not too worried. Um, like you guys have said, AC Lander, Garrett Marino, um, you can have the Canadians in there. Uh, going with um, linear and then honestly the d- other defensive end spot yeah Robertson can uh, rotate there that spot I'm not worried about at all this team in all my years of following them and cheering for them I they have never had a problem finding defensive ends they've just found them over and over and over again we talk about how running backs are a diamond dozen position that's the defensive end in the CFL go find yourself a a three, four outside linebacker in the States, an undersized NFL linebacker and say, come up here, go rush the quarterback. And guess what? They find these guys. Brent Hawkins so was a star in Saskatchewan. At all. Brent Hawkins. Remember that name? Yeah. He had a he bunch of sacks. Where did, what did he do after he left here? Like, yeah, the riders never have problems finding a defensive end. Now, Getting to the linebackers, obviously losing Dion Lacey to Edmonton isn't that great, but with you look at what the Riders brought in instead, I'm not too worried about uh, losing Dion Lacey and also uh, a depth one with Kevin Francis going to BC as well. But getting to the secondary, this is where might have some issues here with the Riders. Ed Gainey going to Edmonton following Chris Jones and Lucius Purifoy going to BC. So let's start with Purifoy here. We talked about it last episode where he got lowballed in his mind by Jeremy O'Day, which I think Purifoy was the best defensive player for the team the whole year last season. 
probably sh- should have been the you know an outstanding player nominee, but uh, he was fantastic, and he could play pretty much anywhere in the secondary. He could play the Sam linebacker cover position as well too. He was just a uh, you know the jack of all trades, right? right. So, I joked with him that he could play uh, wide receiver in, in the CFL, and he he said I absolutely could. <laughs> he's he's a freak like in in that sense that he could literally do it all so losing that does suck and of course losing the veteran uh in ed gainey the big surprising thing to me about gainey is just them not offering him a contract at all i thought they'd offer him at least something even if it'd be to lowball him to kind of push him out the door that way if that was the plan so you lose two veterans in the secondary two very good players but you do still have four of those five spots in the secondary locked up. So I'm not overly concerned yet. I'd like to see them go out and still, you know, see what's available in free agency. Jamar Wall still available. Maybe that's a guy that you might want to target. But I'm not terribly worried, even though you lose two very good players there. But in gay situation, what's more insulting, not getting an offer or getting a lowball offer, considering how many years of service he's been here? I, I think you want that clean break, unfortunately. Look at what happened in uh, Winnipeg with Andrew Harris. Sounded like they got everyone else signed before they even talked to him. So w- when you got a guy with that many years with a team, what's the right thing to do? And flipping over to the offense, losing William Powell, going back home to Ottawa where he started his CFL career. This, is the least, that- this was the least surprising one of all of the rider losses. Yeah. Like, is this a is this a big loss for the team? Because I mean, as good as William Powell is, and he is good, Jason Moss refuses to use running backs. So at that point, you might as well go young and cheap. And oh, I think pa- you absolutely said it there. It, it sucks not having anybody with any kind of real legitimate bell cow experience behind him. But in a Jason Moss offense, you don't need somebody toting the rock twenty five times a game. It's not going to happen. He was great in that third, fourth quarter, run the clock down, you know, run people over type thing. But he, he just didn't have the the speed to get outside like he used to. He Something seemed to flip at him. I don't know what it was, maybe age, maybe two years off doesn't, doesn't help anybody. But uh, I'm, not, I'm not worried that we lost Powell himself. I'm definitely concerned that we don't have somebody behind him ready to step in yet. And with Powell going to Ottawa, he's he set up roots in Ottawa. His family lives in Ottawa in the offseason, so that was the most obvious place he was going to go. If he wasn't done, he was going to Ottawa. So, and, and he even said in his video, I'm coming home. Yeah, like That's where his heart is. Good for him. You, you love to see guys go back to where they had their success. He was one of 47 free agents they signed, so you know <laughs> he had to make his own video to to get his name out there. And finally, the Riders' last loss that they had just happened on Wednesday. Brother. Harker Mania is no longer running wild here in Saskatchewan, brother. Isaac Harker, who was uh, delegated down to third-string quarterback at the end of the year, got replaced as backup by Mason Fine. Harker's going to BC, and uh, we were going to talk about BC's quarterbacks a little bit later on, but let's, I mean, we might as well just do it right now. Isaac Harker, we'll start with the rider side of things. Losing Isaac Harker, um, I'll level with you guys. I never really loved what I saw out of him. I never thought he was a bad quarterback, but I think as a backup, you can do better than that. Um, He did what he had to do, 
He won a game to beat a terrible Elks team back in 2019 for the Riders to clinch first place. And he didn't have to do much offensively. He didn't do much offensively that game either, but he did enough to get the win. And But I just feel you can do a little bit better than that. And Mason Fine looked fine. So that's the route they're going. Like, don't get me wrong. It was really telling when they go into the playoffs. Mason Fine has been riding the practice roster the entire time. And they have to ship Paxton Lynch back to the States because Paxton Lynch can't play in the playoffs because he can't travel because he's unvaxxed. They shifted Parker going into the playoffs to third string. And they make, they went out of their way to make sure that everyone knew it wasn't an injury. So that tells you where Harker's standing was. It was obvious he wasn't coming back. The only problem is, though, I haven't seen our QB depth this thin since the days of Daggy and Tino. And we don't talk oh. about Tino. <laughs> no? Nothing? No. But I've, like, I've heard enough of that line for the next two years. <clears throat> Man, I wish his name really was Bruno, though. <laughs> we don't talk about tea. No, no. Anyway. <laughs> so that's and, all for uh, us tonight. Yeah. If, oh, yeah. Greg saying that, that means it's yeah. the end of the episode. Yeah. Uh, so, but with BC side of things, they're going, we know Michael Riley retired. So Nathan Rourke was going in as their 1A quarterback. I've got no it's, problem with that part of it. Yeah, he was fine. He almost came back against the Riders in week one and got that win for BC uh, last year. And Warwick has looked pretty decent. Bringing in Michael O'Connor. Okay, I see what you're doing. It doesn't help with the ratio, even though they're both Canadians. But uh, wouldn't you want a little bit more veteran experience there? And then bringing in Isaac Harker. Okay, Harker dressed for 30 games or what? 32 games, whatever it was but he really didn't have that much game experience. So BC is putting a lot into, I don't even really know what they have. They have four starts between three quarterbacks. They have four starts. If they didn't sign Hart, like if they just Hart, when they signed Harker, it doubled the amount of starts they have. O'Connor has zero. Like this is baffling. I don't know what they're doing. Now, if if you're a team like BC that's had a couple down years, and that's with a veteran and a potential future Hall of Famer with Michael Riley, then like you want to go younger and and have, you know, save money on quarterbacks and go a little bit cheaper. I'm fine with that. But to do that, you have to have a good group of receivers, running backs, and O line in place to give him the absolute best chance to succeed. And we were looking at the BC Lions roster before we started this show. And outside of a couple receivers, they have nothing on offense. Their O-line is garbage. And we talked about how bad this rider O-line was. They were even worse. Okay. This and, and they didn't do anything to get better in BC. Receivers, they have Brian Burnham, to me, one of the top three guys in the game right now. Especially when you talk about consistency. And they got him out of steel at 160K, which we'll talk about here in a, in a couple minutes. Lucky Whitehead, good receiver. Great returner, probably overpaid a little bit for him, but that's fine. After that, they have nothing. Javon Katoy, okay, he, he, fine. They got but Peterman. He, okay, <laughs> and they and what else? Nothing. 
so if you're going to go cheap with the quarterback, you got to load up at the skill positions and they just didn't do it. So I can't see BC getting out of last place in the West this year in my way too early 2022 prediction. We're going there already. Let's, let's rank them right now. No, you're, you're not wrong. We actually did power rankings at at work as a joke. And uh, I meant to take a picture of it. And I, (laughs) I had, uh, um, auto up at first just because they signed everybody. I mean, they did what Toronto did last year, or I guess two years ago, and that kind of worked. They they had a they were within a few plays of the Grey Cup, but BC, I don't know what they're doing. I mean, throwing throwing tons of money over at uh, Kenny Lawler and not getting them, getting who else did they they've they've been rubbing on a few players. Their defense looks fine, yep, but their offense. Like we could start. At least they improved their kicking. At least they're not going to be rotating a global player every three games like last season. Yep. I mean, Sean Alex is, uh, quite good. Alex has more career starts at quarterback than all f- three of them combined, and he's won a championship. Hey. So well, I mean, with the way that, with the way that uh, my body shape is going right now, I could probably start on the O line for them. <laughs> I I I don't know I. I'm sure BC fans are excited. I've seen a few people happy with what they've done in free agency. I don't know how. Like, don't, the don't, only way it works is if if Rourke absolutely lights it up. Like normally, this is where I would blame Braley for pinching pennies, but the Braley estate doesn't even own the team anymore. They have a brand new owner, and this is what they're trotting out there. I don't get it. And I'm I'm actually curious about that with the owner and and what he's trying to do to bring fans back because 15 years ago. We were getting 40,000 people in BC every single game in Vancouver to go watch the Lions. They were a good team, and a boatload of fans showed up, which was awesome. So to get back to that, I wonder if this push for having a Canadian quarterback and having it work, I wonder if that's part of the plan for the owner. And don't get me wrong, that that believe me, everyone when they signed O'Connor as a backup, everyone went nuts like, oh my God, Canadian quarterback, Canadian quarterbacks, yeah, we're – we're one 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 A and one B here. I'm like, O'Connor hasn't really shown much. She's got potential. And but the fact that they didn't sign a guy, like I, I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but Trevor Harris was out there. He was out there early. And somehow he ended up going back to Montreal. That made no sense to me. I, I don't get what they're doing at quarterback. Like Rourke, yes, Rourke, I think is going to be a star. Harker and O'Connor, I I don't get it. Rourke would be a star if you give him the weapons. That's the problem. Is you're I, putting a ton of pressure on a on a guy to to be your opening day starter behind an O line that nearly killed Michael Riley. He's the toughest SOB in the CFL. I mean, what's what's Rourke gonna do? I made so many memes of my of Michael Riley and him getting sacked. I'm a speed bump, but <laughs> it's going to be, int- you know what? It's funny. Watch BC win the great cup this year. Just, just because we've been riding on them like this. I'll bet my mortgage on that. Um, <laughs> although like, look, honestly, if the Canadian thing works out for, at quarterback, that would be awesome. It really would for the growth <laughs> of football in Canada and just the emergence of the CFL again. I think it would be a, an absolutely fantastic story. And for that reason, I'm honestly going to be cheering for Rourke to 
to be successful and to put together wins and look good doing it. So I, in that sense, I really hope BC does well because it would be just fantastic overall for the game. But that's the opening kickoff presented by Kathy Festion of Royal LePage Regina Realty. Let's move to our Churchill Brewing Company odds and end zones. We're going to take a look at some of the other things uh, that made headlines here in free agency week. And uh, let's start with, uh, you guys mentioned it, with Kenny Lawler and the receiving. We'll talk receivers right now. Kenny Lawler got few offers, few big offers. The first one that we knew was, what, 260 k from, uh, from the BC Lions. All of a sudden, we're... We're having a different discussion about the BC Lions that we just finished having about receivers and weapons. And then in slides, Chris Jones. Here's $300,000. Whoa, $300,000 for a guy who has one 1,000-yard season? He's played two years in the CFL, and you're making him the highest-paid receiver in the league. Good receiver, don't get me wrong. Not worth that. I don't, I don't think that he's guy. a not going to fault the guy for signing a $300,000 contract. If someone's stupid enough for to offer that to you, you got to be smart enough to sign that, which he did. That said, it was with Chris Jones, so there was no signing bonus whatsoever because Edmonton didn't have any of their signing bonus allotment left. So that's a huge gamble on Kenny Lawler's behalf. And Greg, you said that you really think that uh, he's the first up for a pay cut in Edmonton. I think so. It's either him or Arbuckle. It's going to depend on what happens in that quarterback situation, but because their quarterback room doesn't look any better than ours or uh, BC's right now, um, I'd argue actually Winnipeg's probably in that conversation too. Besides having a really good offensive line and uh, Zach Claros, but I think Lawler's the first guy that takes a pay cut because every year at the end of training camp, Chris Jones brings someone aside and says you're taking less money. And I think that's who it's going to be. But if, if I'm if I'm Kenny Lawler, when I've got a two hundred fifty thousand uh, dollar offer from BC with a signing bonus and three hundred thousand from Edmonton without, I have to take a good look at that two hundred fifty thousand dollar deal because, like you said, there's a good chance that he's asked to take a pay cut. There's no guarantee on the money he's making. And it, that conversation we just had about BC's O-line or offense is a completely different conversation if he signs in BC. Suddenly they have three legitimate number one receivers. You know, do I think Kenny Lawler is a $300,000 guy? No. Is he better than Bagleton, Whitehead, Burnham, uh, Duke. or Duke Williams here? No. At best, he's the, the fifth best receiver in the CFL. What what BC and Edmonton have done to the receiving budget is absolutely ludicrous and we saw this years back with with the quarterback spot when guys were making 700 grand it flipped around real quick we saw what it did it didn't work we're going to see an adjustment next offseason there's no way you're going to see three guys making 250 plus and but you also look at what edmonton's doing they signed uh, uh corday to come home like they're literally spending over a half million on an offensive lineman and a wide receiver. Like, I feel bad for Victor Kui. He's barely been on the job, and he's dealing with Chris Jones throwing money in the air. Like, Victor Kui went from one to probably, like, fourth in the West. (laughs) (laughs) That was was very good. Anybody who understands what Victor Kui did before 
and building up one fighting championship over overseas. That was <laughs> this day really, really on funny. Steve's face fuels me <laughs> every time I make a joke like that. Oh man. Why so, are you here? <laughs> uh, graphic design <laughs> and jokes like that. <laughs> um, yeah. We're, we're just getting back to Kenny Lawler here. When you look at what he's making, I mean, honestly, right now, if I'm Brian Burnham, Jake Wynicky and Reggie Bagleton, I'm pissed off. Where's my money? Because them getting 160 are absolute steals. Do you guys think that they're kicking themselves right now for signing before this? Because I think they are. Because, I mean, yeah, the market's probably going to come down next year, like you said, Steve. But football careers are short. Get that money while you can. But, but the difference to... between them is he'll actually they'll actually get their money. And that's a thing. I'm not entirely sure Lawler will. And that's the thing. I think that's the reason why Duke stayed here instead of taking the three hundred thousand apparently that Jones offered him because he knew he wasn't going to get the three hundred thousand in uh, <laughs> in Edmonton. You mean it wasn't because he expected to win a great cup here, like he said? Uh, a little bit of both. <laughs> uh, really quick, just want to get back to the Victor Quee talk here and uh, Chris Jones and um, speaking and listening to Victor Quee and everything that he's done here. Um, He's saying the right things, and I genuinely think he means them. The Edmonton Elks, the franchise, the old, you know, EE way. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm serious when I say that. I think he really wants to get back to that and make it a very community-oriented team. And, I mean, he's from Edmonton. He knows the market and everything. And I think he's a great fit there. But that relationship with Chris Jones is a weird one because – Chris Jones was hired before Victor Quee was. So you have your general manager and your head coach hired before your president, which to me doesn't make a lot of sense, especially when it's a Chris Jones hire. Um, and the type of type of guy Chris Jones is doesn't care about community, doesn't care about players. I mean, the, the ones he does care about, he cares about a lot, obviously, because they follow him wherever he goes. And we've seen that Edmonton to Saskatchewan to, you know, back to Edmonton now. Um, Guys love Chris Jones if you can fit into a system. But he just is such that guy that just will drop a guy at the drop, you know, drop of a hat. I don't know why I'm saying drop so damn much, but <laughs> you should drop um, it. Yeah, you, you, yeah you, you, exactly. you're, you're, you're in a cycle. But, yeah, but Victor Kui is a very community oriented guy. So it's just, it's a weird balance to me for that. So I'm curious to see how that plays out over the next couple of years. I, I got to admit right now, I am actually hopeful. Like everyone is down about the CFL and the future of the CFL. I'm hopeful with, with the uh, people that the CFL has been bringing in Victor Quee, prime example, the new ownership, new local ownership in BC, prime example, Hamilton is um, they, they brought in a partner, lo- a local partner, even though ownership is from Hamilton, Montreal, their new ownership, is very much in the community. I'm 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 more hopeful on the CFL than I have been in a long time about the future of this league because they are actually bringing people that are actually passionate about their communities, not just football, but but no, I'm saying community a lot about <laughs> about expanding this game. Like the only ownership that I have problems with right now is probably Toronto's because. The Argos, while they have a lot of money behind them, are still the redhead stepchild in that entire organization. We can get into thoughts about MLSE and especially revenue sharing <laughs> some other time. Um, 
let's get to the uh, the saga that was. Actually, I got to talk, I get to talk about Toronto in this one too. So I, I, I got to follow yeah. up on this. The saga that was Andrew Harris. Where was he going to go after Brady Oliveira re-signed with the Bombers? It was kind of writing on the wall that, you know what, they're moving on from Andrew Harris. Cost and age, obviously a factor in this decision. And we were joking behind the scenes. Hey, you know what? We love chaos. How great would it be if he signed in Saskatchewan? But also, we thought about it realistically. And, you, you know, that made sense because we have Keenan LaFrance. They have the, the depth there. Maybe you draft uh, Adam Mackard out of the U of S Huskies. And also, um, we also, we also got, pick. we also have Femi Cole too. I forgot about Femi Cole. Yeah. So, so another draft pick and you have all of a sudden you have the depth to make that work and flip the ratio a little bit more and maybe throw, you know, that that's, we can get into the ratio later, but I mean, it, it, it helps out for sure. And it's an extra it, you know, you're not just doing it to, to start a seventh. This would be your ninth starting Canadian. So maybe you put a, another American on the D line and make it eight starting Canadians, whatever it is. Well, and plus, if you think, and plus, if you really want to go down the rabbit hole in a Moss system, a older running back on a pitch count, essentially, you, you could put him in a Moss system and not wear him down or hurt yourself because yeah, you're not run the ball anyway. He'd still be very good. And so we were joking about that. And Greg, you put, a, you did a, a graphic of uh, Andrew Harris signs in Saskatchewan and you posted it in our own little chat group and we laughed at it. And you said, should I post that? And we said, yes. And you did. And it took off. I've oh, never uh, seen the, so many oh fan God. bases angry at you at the same time for I, one thing. I, I will like I I, I used to, you see those Twitter things all the time. It's like I am a teacher from Tennessee. I'm trying to teach my students about the power of social media and how fast things spread. Oh my god! I put it once. I I literally just put like it was it was actually in response to um, Hamilton signing both Irons and um, uh, Thomas Erlington. Sean Thomas Erlington. And because I'm like, well, if we don't go like if we are going to flip the ratio, I'd rather have STE. But hey, if we got Andrew Harris, we got Andrew Harris. I don't care. So I'll like screw it. So I posted I'm like, well, I guess we're stuck with Andrew Harris. The people that one thought it was real. I got me. I did a good job. I, I'm going to do my own horn. That, that sound you hear now is Greg patting yeah. himself on the back. Full Barry Horowitz. Um, <laughs> and but yeah, I had Ryder fans mad at me. I had Bomber fans mad at me. I was accused of just trying to get attention, even though. Yeah, that's kind of what I do. And uh, I've been called a troll. I'm like, but oh my God, the amount of people that one, I, I just couldn't believe how fast it spread because it was like in every rider group. It was in every bomber group. Like people were I, sending it to me in DM showing me where it was where last place they saw it because it was just going all over social media. I, I said it in our private DMs. I'm really glad you're on our team. And we get an advance notice of this stuff because it's it's funny watching it happen in real time. <laughs> and you, you saw it like it happened on the, the Rider fans website. It was on uh, every single Facebook group. Somebody posted it. And then the next 10 comments were either, oh, sure, why not? Or uh, terrible. No, we don't yeah, want him here. Yeah, we don't want him. He's a cheater. Steroids. And it, inside, I, I said this several times on Twitter. If we signed him, I was going to bring that Mr. Mackey signed to every game just for the fun of it. Like 
I've, I haven't seen anything go that that excessively not wrong, but <laughs> widespread like that in a while. It was it was fun to watch, I, I especially because want- a lot of it happened late at night. I want to I want to believe that I'm the reason why the writers changed their uh, announcement uh, announcement image to now a moving picture, thinking that I can't copy it. Oh, what they don't know. <laughs> yeah, of course, Andrew Harris signing in Toronto because I mean, other than Ottawa, where else is he going to sign? So I mean, of course, you go out to Toronto, and uh, I mean, and actually, it sounds like Toronto is going to push him out there. They're actually going to make him the face of this team now. Uh, sounds like he's going to be on breakfast television and they're going to do a bunch of other stuff with him in the community. So that's good. Cause, and they're, they're calling them future hall of famer. Like they're like, this is like a wrestling oh, yeah. promotion bringing in like this. It kind of reminds me when they brought Doug Flutie in and they had him like up and down blur street in his in full football gear, like waving to fans. I, I had a conversation with an Argos fan about this signing, and he called $165,000 for Andrew Harris a bargain. I disagreed with that, mostly because he's going to be 35 when the season starts. He's played seven games in the last two seasons due to injury. Yeah, so he's going to be on the six-game list and save a little bit of money. But I mean... That, that draws him down to 120. Is there is there a higher paid running back right now in the CFL? Probably not, but he's also the best when he's healthy. He's the best running back. Is and he it's though? Not even close, really. Is he yeah. that good, or was that O line that good? No, I, th- I mean he's that good. He was he's very good. good in BC, and BC didn't have a great O line. But was he still that good at thirty four last season? He was. He was. I'd say he, even after they got past that for initial line, he was blowing up uh, linebackers left and right. Yeah, yep. he's he's good at knocking guys over, and he's he, you know, you're not going to lose that with age, but you're also going to get hurt a lot easier at 35 years old when you're a power running back. You know, I I just I don't I don't mind the signing. I think it's great for Toronto, especially if they're going to push him in the market like you say uh, you say they are. I just don't see 165 thousand dollars as a a bargain contract, making a guy the highest paid running back in the league doesn't just doesn't scream bargain to me. So what you're saying is you think it's a supplemental signing by the Winnipeg or by the they, Toronto Argonauts. They, 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 they probably they, should have cut that by a trace amount. Is yeah, what they, 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 they pumped that up a little too much, <laughs> but which is funny though, because well, going, going into free agency after it was, well, after apparently Winnipeg ignored them until like the day before going, Hey, maybe we should throw you a, at least throw a number at you. There's three teams in the mix firm, supposedly. Us, the Elks, and BC. Toronto came in late in the Andrew Harris sweepstakes, supposedly. So I'm guessing they just threw the most money at him. Oh, I, I would hope it. they threw the most money at him. If anybody else threw more than 165 at a 35-year-old power running back, I'd question that GM sanity. Oh, pinball seeing that a guy's available, and hey, let's go out and do it. This is something that will we'll make money on and in marketing as well, too. So, I mean, it's that's a something fine that Toronto can use. There. It's literally something yeah. Toronto can use. That I don't, part I like. I, I don't so, know if it's going to actually move the needle in Toronto, but <laughs> you took my segue, Greg. Damn it. Eh. <sighs> I was literally just going to do that and say moving the needle to something else, but <laughs> damn it. <sighs> Why do we keep him around? So, 
damn it, moving the needle. Um, literally everybody signed in Ottawa. That's what free agency day was like. And I mean, we can go over all the big signing, all the splashes that they made with the receivers, the old linemen, like D linemen <laughs> everywhere. EBs. I mean, yeah. Like, I mean, they signed Montreal's backfield for some reason. I don't know. The, the reason why they won free agency and I hate that term free agency, really the team that won free agency is Winnipeg because they kept most of their great cup championship team together. That's the team that won yeah. free agency. You know who won the, the free agency in 2016? The Riders. Look how well that did for them. Pendile <laughs> Lawrence. That's my argument to winning free agency there. Um, so obviously everybody going to Ottawa, they had to do something because that roster they had was trash. That it might have been worse than trash. Like that, that was a dumpster bin full of crap that they had in 2021. Like that was a bad roster. So they had to do something. And I think the, the, the big thing with Ottawa is signing Sean Burke as their general manager. He was the assistant in Hamilton. Now, of course, with that, you bring in Jeremiah Mazzoli, who is now vaccinated, as people were wondering if he was or wasn't. Yes, he is, apparently. That's according to Farhan Lalji. So he is going to be their starting quarterback. Now they have a guy that they can market. They have a proven quarterback that you tie him in with uh, with Paul Apolise. Hey, that already looks pretty good. You start getting him more and more talent around. And the effect of just having Sean Burke and Mazzoli around, because now you're going to start getting a lot of the old Hamilton Tiger Cats starting to go to Ottawa because they like Sean Burke. Burke's going to be great to them, give them really good offers. They know, you know, they have that relationship. And as much as loyalty doesn't exist in sports anymore, there is still some loyalty. And you're going to start seeing that. And for, for Ottawa here, it's a good thing, too. And, I mean, we rag on Ottawa a lot and, and make fun of them. And that's all part of the fun of, of you know, being a, I don't want to call it a rivalry fan base, but it kind of is. But ultimately, a better team there is a good thing because they had sellouts ever since they came back into the league as the Red Blacks. And then last season, there was nobody there. They stopped going. And that's not good for any team in the CFL. We don't want to see fans not going to games. And if they can get all these weapons that they have and turn it around, that's that's great for the league, and ultimately, that's what I want. Lord knows, no one has suffered more than Red Blacks fans. It's been a long, tumultuous year and a half for them. Like, don't get me wrong, Ottawa fans in general. Like, you, you tell me, you're a Rough Rider fan, uh, yeah, you you suffered. You you've gone, you've seen things. <laughs> Renegade but, fans. Yeah, well. <laughs> Hey, they had Mardi Gras. Yeah, they, 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 yeah, they, they saw, they things saw too. some things. And they saw some things too. <laughs> Oh, the Gliebermans. But uh, just sticking with Ottawa, um, the one fun thing that I, I that did happen was uh, one of their signings that was uh, verbally committed was signing Alden, Alden Darby, uh, defensive back from Winnipeg, very good defensive back. He uh, verbally agreed to go to Ottawa. Apparently, he's backed out of that commitment. And uh, no idea why. Probably getting a better offer, but never officially signed a contract. And he might be going to Hamilton now. Hamilton's rumored to be uh, going after him. Scott if I'm Flurry. Jeremy O'Day, I'm calling him up right now. You talked about wanting that veteran quality defensive back to shore up our, our defensive uh, backfield. There you go. He's probably the top DB left on the market now. And Scott Flory's got words. You sign that contract first before you back out of it. <laughs> 
but it's yeah, it's I like I said, like like I said before the show, I'm pretty sure Darby saw they signed uh, Money Hunter and like, okay, I'm I'm going elsewhere then, because yeah, what's the point of signing Money Hunter and Alden Darby? Like at some point, you got too much talent back there, you, and playing time and money is going to go elsewhere. So, well, when you go from having no talent to having lots of talent, there's there's plenty of room for uh, corporate expansion. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, last thing we'll talk about here as, uh, as we talk CFL free agency and we'll get back to kind of where we were at earlier and talk about Trevor Harris. So of course ended up in Montreal last year was due a big signing bonus was released before that because obviously, and we thought for sure he'd sign somewhere else. Maybe he'd be Chris Jones's guy at Edmonton, at least for a year or two. What about BC? Cause Michael Riley retired. Where would he go? He signed back in Montreal the other night, and I'm curious about that. It, to me, it makes no sense with the, the offense that they're trying to run. And, I mean, if I'm Montreal, I'd probably rather have Matthew Schultz than, than Trevor Harris, but, of course, Schultz moved on as well. But the money that he got, 125 k can get up to 200 with uh with playtime bonuses and incentives and all that kind of stuff 125k man if i'm jeremy o'day I'd, i would have made that call as well too because that's a steal for a guy who could end up being your starting quarterback but with with the, with the system that montreal runs is even two like like the dominic davis behind va makes more sense to me than trevor harris behind va like it him going back to Montreal made absolutely no sense to me after they re-up uh, uh, Vernon Adams. And then they signed Davis. I'm like, okay, the obvious place for a guy like Trevor Harris on the cheap, especially is out in BC because you got Nathan Rourke, yes, who looks really promising. But yeah, you take the low money and then you put the playing bonuses in in case, unfortunately, the, the kid has a sophomore slump or whatever, or he has to s- sit on the bench and watch a while. How he could not end up like even just trip over himself end up on bc is beyond me i don't get it you know i i can respect the guy going he he asked for the release took a gamble on himself wanted to get paid somewhere else because he didn't think montreal was his future but what i do know is if uh, trevor harris ever opens a business school i am not attending because i don't want the lessons that he's given out what what a financial mistake like, how do you go from being a four hundred thousand dollar a year guy to, you know, one twenty five? And like you said, does he see the field? I I don't know. He's obviously no. not number one, but I don't see him being the guy they go to. No, I'm really curious about this because normally, when even with with a guy coming in to create competition, let's just throw this out there: Dane Evans, Jeremiah Mazzoli. They're always saying as much as they're competing against each other, they're working together to try and make each other better. Let, let's go in there, compete. May the best guy win. I'll support you. If you beat me, let's go out and win a championship, right? Like that was the relationship that Dane Evans and Jeremiah Mazzoli had. Vernon Adams didn't take this signing too well. He tweeted out about uh, basically saying he's not happy with it and that, Oh, you guys don't trust me to be your quarterback. I'll show you like, He's taken it very, very personally. And 
I heard questions about maybe Vernon Adams' trade bait now. If you're Montreal, is Vernon Adams trade bait? No. For what? He's your starter. What? I, I don't like. I understand Vernon Adams is undersized. I I get that. That's always been the knock on him. He he's a short guy. Our backup quarterback's like five two. Mason yeah, Mason finds a little taller than that. But did, did he did he put on stilts? Yeah, like like I I get it. Like like I said, but when Paxton Lynch and Mason Fine were standing beside each other, it looked like bring your kid to work day. But like Vernon Adams is a damn good quarterback. I was hoping he was going to get a better shot when he was on the riders and he's the proven starter out in Montreal. Why they would even, why they would even screw with it for Trevor Harris. I don't know. Harris didn't even look that good for them last year. After when VA got hurt, it makes no sense. To be fair, when Vernon came back, he didn't look that good either. And he wasn't really lighting it up beforehand either. Now, maybe that's because of the year off and everything, and nobody was really looking that good last season other than Winnipeg for the first 13 games of the year. Like, I don't know. Vernon just – I predicted them to go to the to the Grey Cup last year and Vernon Adams to be the MLP last year, and that backfired big time. That's why – I mean, whatever. It's a prediction from me. Who cares what I think? Your predictions um, is Steve buying jerseys. Yeah. Stop. But – he so I shouldn't tell you I got a Duke Williams? No, just kidding. He didn't exactly light it up, though. So I, I wonder what the long-term plan there in, in Montreal is. But where where do you move Vernon Adams? Outside of Montreal, you look at Edmonton or BC. Everybody else has their legitimate number one. And Chris Jones loves VA. He traded for him when Jones was here in Saskatchewan. Yeah, but he didn't use him, which made no sense either. Yeah. Yeah, that that I didn't understand, but maybe maybe that's the destination. Anyway, it was really interesting to see that kind of kind of happen. Um, before we get going here, guys, one last thing. Since we're kind of finishing up our uh, our free agency show, because we'll still get more signings, they'll kind of trickle in, but they're pretty much going to slow down completely here across the league. We could talk about other teams' free agent grades, but that's no fun. There, what there is, is your... one more. There is one more free agent signing that we missed that I think we absolutely need to talk about from other from other teams before we move on to the riders grading. All right. And it was the Toronto Argonauts signing Quick Six out of Calgary. That and Twitter thread I, and replies was everything. I loved every minute of that. That is the kind of thing the CFL needs, and we saw it a lot when uh, Max. Uh, why can't I remember his last name? Uh, ran the, yeah, Max yeah, Rosenberg ran the Toronto Twitter account, and we need more of that in the CFL. The the, uh, the nay quote cracked me. <laughs> that was great. The, the the initial one was like, okay, that's funny because yeah, they signed a lot of Stampeders. The then <laughs> the image with them quoting the horse with nay that got me. That was amazing. my 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 favorite was the Elks responding with, "Here's your logo without the horse," and it was just a circle. And Calgary actually, uh, yeah, used that red circle as their profile picture and tweeted at Twitter support saying, hey, they've taken everything from us, including our profile picture. And it was so funny. And they showed that they would unfollow uh, Toronto. They showed a screenshot of that. Toronto said, you should probably just block us, to be honest. 
Calgary, to their credit, comes back with a, a video of them blocking a punt against the Argos, which is fantastic. We should probably point out that they, Toronto Argonauts actually won that game. So really, was that a big win for either Calgary with that tweet? Anyway, it was fantastic. Calgary came out of nowhere and had this breaking news. Quick Six has decided, no, he's not going to sign with Toronto, and he's re-signed with, with Calgary and blah, 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 blah. He floored like, him. Okay. Floored him. Yeah, so I'm like, eh, that one wasn't that funny, but it was fantastic. And the only thing that can make this better, guys, is August 20th, right before my birthday. So if you guys uh, are looking to get me something, August 21st. Um, but August 20th, the stamps are in Toronto. How awesome would it be if Toronto came out with a white horse as the ultimate troll move? Just have pinball Clemens come out on a horse or once they score a touchdown, even if you do something on the, on the, the big screen, have, uh, you know, whoever scored the touchdown superimposed on top of a white horse and running back and forth across the field, do something, please Toronto Argonauts do something about this on August 20th when you host the Calgary Stampeders, because it would make everything worth it. If they brought an actual horse onto that field, the Toronto FC supporters already hate the Argos. Put a horse on that field? Are you kidding me? <laughs> now I want to see it even more. Yeah, th- this is this this is the stuff the league needs to do. The the one thing that would make this just a little bit better is if the riders actually took it took part in it. They 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 seem almost allergic to to fun things on that social media on the on the riders social media side of things, but. You know, you're seeing it from almost every other fan base, and the riders are like, "Nah, better not." Great one-minute hype videos, but that's about all. Oh, no, yeah. their their videos, top-notch. Their their <laughs> video guy, great. But yeah, they 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 lack the fun uh, on the on the old Twitter box. CFL needs to bring back the the meme war Mondays from from back in the day, and get teams going after each other, and just, it gets people talking. Yeah, and that's what the league needs. It's free advertising because people are going to re- quote tweet it. They're going to they're going to share it. They're going to reply to it, and it costs you nothing, zero. It costs you paying the salary yep. of your social media guy that you're paying anyways. Exactly. I can confirm that stuff goes really fast on social media. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somebody should somebody should maybe get you involved in the writer's social. They no, would never, never hire me. <laughs> are you kidding? <laughs> All what, right. After all the ass kissing we've done over the years, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, as we leave here, let's do our uh, quick rider free agency grade. Kind of based off of, uh, do you guys think this team is better than they were to end last year? What would you What would you say about the riders in a grading going into the 2022 season? As it stands right now, there's still the draft. There's still going to be some more signings, but where do they stand right now? Where would you grade Jeremy O'Day and his offseason so far? I only have two question marks, and they are running back and quarterback. Uh, backup quarterback, I should say. <laughs> like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to go for another hour here. We're talking about <laughs> the future of quarterback here in Saskatchewan. <laughs> so I don't know what more was a starting running back. American running backs is as people say, are a dime a dozen. So we could find the next Corey Sheets in a rookie camp, or that could even be moral. I don't know. 
But uh, I hear Keith Tostin still available. There you go, kid. <laughs> you you got, got the jersey ready, right? No, I sold that jersey. <laughs> Somebody bought that. <laughs> yeah, they did. Man, right for for an absurd did. amount of money too. It was great. <laughs> but behind Cody, I I don't know what we got. I actually I we we signed who we we kept who we had to. We we made some tough choices to move on from some guys. Um, we improved our linebacking core. Um, I don't know. I there's there's still a lot, there's still a lot of players out there that I can't believe aren't signed yet. Like Brandon Banks is still out there. I'm surprised no one's kicked the tires on him yet. I I think we're a solid B B plus maybe. I I'm gonna go a little bit. Then this is weird. You know, I'm the uh, eternal optimist and the the rider Homer, but I'm I'm gonna go C plus. I think the concerns that we have are are legitimate concerns. You look at that defensive backfield, we have the players, but we don't have the experience and we don't have the depth anymore. You look at running back and all of a sudden we have no idea what we've got. We've got a guy who was electric as a returner. Cool. But will it carry over to the backfield or do they look somewhere else? But like you said, running backs aren't hard to find. There's always somebody out there that can that can carry the ball. My concern is on the O line. I don't know where we stand there, and it's the one part I think we needed to really improve. Taron Vaughn is a good start. I don't know if it's enough yet, but I think the the pieces are out there, especially at DB. You you look for that veteran leadership, and you could. You could name off a dozen names on the on the free agent list for the CFL. So I think I think there's there's still hope, but if C is an average score, I think I think that's where we are. I don't think we're better than we were to end last year. I don't think we're worse. I think we just are. That's still second in the West. I won't I won't argue with that. First in the West got worse. Because they signed Josiah St. John again, F. Okay. <laughs> I'll never understand that. I don't know how they can't just move on. I understand experience and all this kind of stuff. And Canadian O-linemen take a couple of years to actually, you know, progress and get to start. No, we're never going to see that out of him. I don't he's, think he comes out of camp. I'm telling you right now, I don't see him coming out of camp. I hope not. That means that the younger guys are, are stepping up and they're clearly better than him. And but on the I flip side, that, if there's a guy who knows offensive line, it's our GM. Does he see something that none of us do? I hate, I hate, I hate to admit it, guys. We, 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 we were very vocal about our opinions on Dan Clark. He turned out to be okay. <laughs> That's true. And Jeremy O'Day was the one who, was, was the one who suggested <laughs> move him in, over to center. And so that, what you're saying is we need to get somebody to go out and break Josiah St. Jerm's arm. That's what you're saying. And he'll be a 2022 all-star. Clark. Dan Clark was a huge liability until he got hurt. And when he came back, he's been fantastic since then. One of the best centers in the league. Before that, yes, we were very critical of him. And I think, honestly, it was deservedly so. But uh, he was yeah. a young I, I would never take – I will not take anything back I said about the man. Nope. I, in, at that point in time, he wasn't a liability. I am sorry. I still say he's the reason why Darian got hurt in 2014. But uh, he, he is a much better player now, and I will gladly admit that. He is 
the anchor on that offensive line. And I never, ever thought that's what I'd be, what I would say about Dan Clark. That said, what's what Steve is saying, our guy knows our GM knows line uh, offensive linemen, and maybe he sees something we don't. Okay. Before we turn this into a Dan Clark conversation, I don't want to go that route. That's not where we're going. Okay. <laughs> F for Josiah St. John, but I, I don't see where this team really is worse off. I don't see really where they're better off. I'm, I'm agreeing with Steve in the fact that they're, they're just kind of the same. I don't think they got better. I don't think they got worse. In certain positions, yes, they did. But overall, I still think this is a very good team. I don't know if they're better than Winnipeg right now, but I will go ahead and give Jeremy O'Day a B- minus on this offseason so far. He got shut or got Duke back and that was the big thing. Brett Lothar, very important keys that, he, or, you know, guys that he was able to keep on the team losing the veteran leadership does suck and losing Purifoy as a playmaker does suck, but you're going to lose player, good players every single year. So I'm not too worried about that, but there was no major, major splash in free agency. And I was hoping for one, I don't know what it was going to be, but I was hoping for one, but that's what I'll, I'll go with. That's B-. okay. We're recording tonight. Brennan Banks will be signed tomorrow. <laughs> Probably. Brandon and, uh, Banks, Alden Darby. Yeah, they'll, they'll go off off tonight. Well, Some big trade. That's it for us this week here on the Piffles Podcast. Our amateur hour hours hour is up here, so uh, <laughs> we have to wrap things up. Uh, Piffles Podcast brought to you are brought to you by our great friends at Dairy Queen on Elphinstone Street and Sass Drive in Regina. Special thanks as well to Kathy Festion of Royal LePage, Regina Realty, and Churchill Brewing Company for their support making the show possible. Pivots Podcast is also a proud member of the CFPN, the Canadian Football Podcast Network, and a part of the Saskatchewan Podcast Network. By the time we come back in the next episode, we should have a few more details on uh, something we're going to tease out right now at the end of the show, as uh, I know people normally tune out here as we get, you know, leave. But for those that stick they around, stick around for my karaoke. I, I tune out of your karaoke, no offense. Uh, but for those that are sticking around right now, um, we're in talks with Ed Ganey about uh, getting some some gear from him that we can auction off for charity. What that looks like, we don't know yet, but we're in talks. We're going to figure something out. We're going to have some really cool stuff to uh, to auction off here for Rider Nation and help out some great charities as well. So stick around for that. As we leave you, Greg, here's your time to shine with Tyler Gilbert, Ghost Behind Your Mind. We don't talk about teen, no, no. 